One of the benefits for me as a head football coach at Eagles Landing Christian Academy is all the business owners that I get to work with when I coach their sons. Tony Carter is a man who owns Active Pest Control and I coached his son, Cody Carter, for the past four years. Over the past four years, I've gotten to know Tony really well and I've been able to pick his brain from leadership and business type uh, questions. Tony took Active Pest Control probably 20, 30 years ago and it was a local brand and he built it into a national brand. He took it from something that was worth hundreds of thousands to now he just sold it for many, many, many millions of dollars. I don't know the exact number, but I know it's a lot. So I sat down with Tony uh, recently and we talked about the things that have made him successful as a business owner, how he grew his brand, Active Pest Control, the trials that he went through that led to his successes. And you know, I asked him, okay, at the end, when you sold it, what do you know now that you didn't know 30 years ago? What can we learn from Tony Carter? I'm excited about this interview with him and I'm gonna keep doing it with some of the men who were uh, very impactful upon me, not from a football standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, how to run an organization, how to run a business. You get to learn from their failures and try not to make the same mistakes they made and just learn from their successes. Hope you guys enjoyed this interview with Tony Carter and Tony, thanks for doing it. You recently sold your business for a lot of money and you took a local brand. I don't know how many years ago it was, you know, 20 years ago, maybe, or, or maybe more. You took a local brand that, that your dad had started in active pest control, and then you grew it into a national brand. And so as, as somebody like me, or I kind of know you, so I know the story, but somebody from the outside look, looking in, they just see Tony Carter successful. He's got it easy. But tell us about taking it from, you know, when you took over to taking it to a national brand. Talk about that with us a little bit. So I guess it's just, you know, being a national brand and how our industry worked was you have the top 100 companies. So we're in the southeast and Texas is where we were. So you kind of go every day trial by fire, you know as you're, you make mistakes and you learn not to do those mistakes twice. Some of them you do right and you keep doing those again and again because you see the success of them. So just going from one step to the other, never quitting, never giving up, getting up every single day. If it didn't work today, you do it for two or three days and see if it was the process or the results are just not what it's going to do the way you're doing it. So we always ran things at about a six week to 90 day increments. And if it worked, then we kept doing it. If it didn't, then we would start tweaking to change it. And that's how we started getting traction to build the brand. When, when you first started, you know, when you first started and became the CEO, you know, was it your big vision to take it a national brand or was it, man, I'm just going to bust my tail and work hard and see what happens, happens. And as it grew, you, you started to get the vision. How did that, how did that happen? Well, you know, everybody, and even for me, it came to, at first, I didn't think I had the talent or the, the opportunity. And once I realized that, you know, the industry as a whole, you could grow it to any level you wanted to, I asked my dad one day, I said, how big do you want the company to get? He said, you got the reins now, not me. I don't care. Just make sure I get my check on the first day of every month. So, and that's when I realized, okay, I set my first goal to get the business to 5 million. I achieved it. Then the next goal was 10 million. I achieved it. And then I went off and did some other business adventures and got a little sidetracked, kind of brought myself back to just doing the termite pest control industry. And that's when we started gaining more and more traction because we were focused on what we did best. And so we just kept putting a bigger goal every year, budgeting and planning, writing down what we wanted to do and how we were going to do it and following the process. And once we started doing that, we started seeing amazing results. You know, so as a football coach, you know, it's, it's kind of like with my process, you know, every, you can't run 14 different offenses and 14 different defenses. You have to figure out your identity 
and you have to figure out what you're good at and you have to pursue that with all diligence so that in hopes you can be successful. But if you get your hands in too much of the pot or, or you're, you start doing too many things, you stop becoming great at what got you there. And I know with Chick-fil-A, in an interview with Nick Westbrook, he's an owner operator of Chick-fil-A. We talked about that as well. Like, you know, with Chick-fil-A, it's chicken. It's not, it's not 10 other things. And they really focus on that. They really focus on customer service. They really focus on the experience for the customer. You know, when you did venture out from pest control and you started doing multiple things, what did that do to harm your brand as a pest control focused uh, business? Well, we were trying to become a jack of all trades and a master of none. So we lost the art of a craftsman. You know, you hear that terminology a lot, and I didn't recognize it until the last few years. The reason a person is called a craftsman is because they're, they're, they're practicing their craft daily. Well, when you try to do termite pest control, then you try to do heating and air, then you try to do carpet cleaning, then you try to do sanitation, whatever the other companies were, all of a sudden you were watering down the process. We knew termite pest control. We knew that extremely well. That's what brought us to the dance. So we went back dancing just with that one thing. So it just, we couldn't learn and study that one industry. We were trying to do too many industries and we couldn't get the craft. We were losing our craftsmanship on the one thing we do best. What are some codes that you live by? You know, you, you obviously ran the business for, you've run it for a long time and you've learned a lot. You've studied a lot. And a lot of things you've learned, like you said earlier, was trial and error. And, and so now here you are and you're older and you have a lot of business wisdom. You know, what are some codes that you live by? Like for me, it's, you know, demand excellence and win the day. And but, but for you, you know, you've said many, many different things to me, but what are, like, when I say that, what are some codes you live by every day when you wake up? Don't chase the money, chase the dream. For me, if you chase money, you'll always be broke. You'll never, you'll never make enough money to satisfy the thirst. So by chasing the goals and the dreams of the business, the money will come. If you take care of the customers and the clients, whether it's Chick-fil-A or Active Pest Control or Ford Motor or any of those mega companies that are out there, the, the mega ones, they chase the goals and the dream, and I think the money followed. So for me, it got to where I had to quit chasing money and chase the dream of becoming a national company in recognition in the southeast of uh, making noise where we were doing so well we made enough noise to get attention from everybody else in our industry. So uh, I got still going to get up every day and chase the dream, not the money. You know, it sounds easy though, right? I mean, don't chase the money uh, and chase the dream. And that sounds good. And it's a great quote, but speak to the challenge of that. I mean, now you're seasoned. So, so you understand it. I mean, you spent 30 years getting to where you un, you understand I got to chase the dream, not the money, but talk about some challenges maybe 15 years ago where you knew to chase the dream, but you're chasing the money. Well, cause the world is just so easy. You know, we live in a, a world of everything's instantaneously and everybody's promoting through social media, all the different things they have. So you have a desire to start chasing those. And that's why I started doing other business was thinking, okay, if I do more business, I get more money. And instead of, you know, focusing on the one craft, going back to it and sharpening my skills on it every day and becoming a true craftsman of the industry, you can get sidetracked. So it was easy to look and see what other people had and what they were doing. And, you know, the why in the road comes and you kind of go off to the left side of the road when you really should have stayed on the right hand side of the why and stayed focused on what you were doing. Right. You know, when you, when you talk about, man, well, you're just going to focus on pest control. And so that sounds really simple. I'm just going to focus on pest control. And from the outside looking in, like, well, that's not that complicated. But I tell people all the time, like, like in football, we're going to keep it simple. But 
it's the philosophy is simple. The execution is where it is extremely complicated. Talk about your day-to-day operations and, you know, how it's so challenging to get everybody on the same page, keep everybody focused on the mission, keep everybody serving the customer. And it's just pest control, but within that pest control realm, it is a lot of work. Talk to that a little bit. So on that side, it's just one is taking care of your people. One thing I learned in the process was if I took care of my people, they would take care of the customers. When I was younger, I didn't have great people skills. And my dad would always tell me, your people skills are only going to take you so far. And right now, you're not going too far. (laughs) You got to change how you think and how you take care of your employees. So for us, it was every day getting up with a routine of taking what can we do for our employees. If we do for our employees, they will take care of the customers. And once we started making that a habit to where it was monthly meetings and weekly meetings and, and outings outside of the workplace that you got people's families involved, not just the employee, that's when you started seeing the results. So, And that's when the recruiting side got easy because now you got people that want to come to work for you instead of they dread coming to work. And in today's marketplace of 3% unemployment, you're begging for good help. And you're still needing it every day, even when you think you got enough. Because if you're do, delivering a good product, you're going to continue to need the good employees. So you got to get the good employees, and they'll bring the good uh, customers with them because they're going to take care of them. So many people think success just happens, or you just get lucky, and 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 a little bit of luck is required. You know, I think about the McDonald's CEO. I always forget his name, but it's not the CEO CEO now. It's the guy that started it back, you know, fifty years ago, sixty years ago. But he said, "The harder I work, the luckier I get." So luck luck's involved, but you got to be working. But um, tell a valley story. You know, every successful man has been in many valleys, um, many struggles. Uh, a story where you were going to quit, but you didn't. And then tell us how pers- persevering through that trial or that valley led to greater success. So June 2nd, 2004, on June 1st, my dad retired from the business. We had a big uh, retirement party for him. June the 2nd, on that Monday morning, I had two of my leadership branches and eight of my top sales guys resign all at one time. And it was just one of those days when I sat back and thought, what have I done? So when I called my dad and explained to him, he had moved out of state. I thought, Hey, he's going to come back. He's going to help me. We're going to fix this. I'm going to learn from this mistake. And all he said was, son, you got it. And as I hung up the phone, I realized the number one thing I had to do was when I looked, evaluated those 10 people that left, I realized how I treated them and how I, it was time to polish the skills of people, not the business. So in that, that was the turning point in my life to when I realized I got to start taking care of my employees that not just tell them what to do, but encourage them, ask them what to do, you know, get their involvement in the business every day on the decisions made for the longevity of the company in the long run. So when I sit back and look in 2004, and here it is, 2019, 15 years later, I mean, that was a monumental moment that I could have easily just said, Dad, I don't want to do this. I didn't even own the company at that time, but I was in charge of running it. So uh, it was one of those, he just, hey, dust your boots off and go back to work. Take care of your people. That's all he kept reminding me of. Yeah. Yeah, I talk to football coaches all the time, and, you know, a lot of them are like, you know, there was a day 30, 40, 50 years ago when you could coach and you could just yell at a kid and bark at a kid and they were raised up a certain way. They would respond to that and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the, the further we get into, I mean, well, further we get into the future, but you know, the present is you got to have relationships with people. People are relational and you have to develop relationships with them. You got to take care of them. You got to love them. And if you neglect that, somebody else is going to be doing it kind of like with you and your business, they'll, they'll go somewhere else. Um, and work for somebody else and employees and, and people make you successful. That's one thing I think we forget about, you know, as head football coaches or CEOs and people make you successful. It's not you. Um, Got to have great people. So what was aggravating for you 
when dealing with young men or women who work with you, you know, obviously they have to start at the bottom, but there's a huge potential in, in your specific business uh, to grow and make a lot of money if they do well and earn your trust. What prevented most of them? Some of them grew and, and have done well for you, but the people that didn't, what prevented them from being successful? I believe in the today's society, it's the Google world mentality. If you want a question answered, you Google it, you instantaneously have it. Well, the problem today is everybody wants instantaneously to have the credibility of a 20-year veteran in a business or a company to where they want to make, they've never worked a single day, but they want to make the same a guy that's been doing it 20 years that brings a wealth of knowledge. So that just puts a foresight on people of, you got to be able to be patient, be consistent in what you're doing every day. You know, I tell people all the time, I can teach you how to make $100,000 in 60 months. The difference is you got to stay the course and follow the process. Right. And if you do that, you'll be successful and I can show you. But most people will not stay 60 months. They just can't get that in their head. 60 months, that's five years. Yeah, but if you're 25 and you plan to live to be 65, you'll be 30. So you'll only be 30 years old, and then from 30 to 35, your income could even go more because now you're gaining even more knowledge and opportunity with the business or company that you're with. Everybody wants it right then, day one, and it's just not going to be ever that way, I don't think. No. You know, like one concept that I love to think about, I don't necessarily talk about it too much. I say keep chopping, but I love – the, the concept of a plotter. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Get up and go to work every single day. See, people want you to hire them uh, and put them in a management position, you know, and, and you want to hire them and put them in a, a, a position where they got to use their hands and they have to do the grunt work to see if you can trust them before they can make that kind of money. And people are unwilling to do that. And it's, you know, it's, um, I see the same thing in the coaching world. They, ought, they automatically think they can be a coordinator or something like that. And, you know, like you said, they, don't, they didn't pay their dues and learn the business and learn the industry. Um, what advice do you have for people out there? Uh, and of course, you, you did just kind of explain this one. But what advice, you know, you got a 22, 23-year-old sitting in front of you right now or maybe a 30-year-old. They're, they're looking um, to get into your business or any business. What advice do you have for people out there about being an employee and climbing that ladder? I would tell people every day, make the best decision based on the company, not on your personal results. In other words, if you're working for an employee, don't do what's best for you. Do what's best for the business. And I would always tell my employees when we had these twice a year meetings, I never make a decision based on my family. I make it based on all of you. And the reason why is my job is to protect you. Well, if you take care of the business, the business will take care of you no matter who you work for. So I always tell people to make the decision what's best for the business or the company you're with. And if there's good leadership, they're going to recognize that and they're going to promote you right up through the ladder and you'll gain a lot of trust with the organization and you'll gain a lot of opportunity. I was driving probably about six or seven years ago. I was driving down to Florida. No, 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 no. This, I don't know when this was. This might've been when I was in the air force. For some reason I was by myself. So I'm driving down to Florida. So it could have been 15 years ago. I was driving down to Florida and I was listening to talk radio. I don't know what I was listening to, but at bottom line, it was an interview with Mark Cuban and, and they asked Mark Cuban and this thing stuck with me for forever. And I don't even know why I was listening to the radio because usually I didn't, but Mark Cuban, they said, what, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur? And Mark Cuban said, he said, um, everybody has an idea, but nobody or very few people have the ability to follow through. So his advice to the entrepreneur, that person who wanted to get where Mark Cuban was, is follow through. Because Mark Cuban says, I, I had ideas just like everybody else had ideas. I'm the only one that followed through. So I ask you the same question. What advice do you have for the entrepreneur out there who's trying to grow his brand or business or just has an idea of something right now? First of all, it's not an eight to five job. It's a 70 to 80 hour a week 
type approach. You have to get up every day with that can to can't mentality that never quit because you, you may have a hundred ideas and it only takes one of those, which is 1% out of a hundred to change your life, your family life, your wealth position, anything, just 1% of that 100 could change your life. So that you just got to, you know, can the can't is what I always like to say too is sun up to sun down. A lot of people use that terminology. And I tell people, work six days a week, rest on the seventh. And if you do that for the first five years, the later part of your life, you can work two days a week and rest five days. Or go on vacation when you want to and come back when you want to when you get that hungry desire after you've had a good rest to regroup and get your batteries charged back. So it's all, you know, it's very con being consistent, you know, very consistent. Yeah, I agree as well. So, um, all right, last question, and you might not can answer this. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I read your Facebook posts and, you know, big dreams, big goals. And, you, you know, you sold your business. And I know, you're, I know you're still working at it. And then, they're, and, you know, they bottom line, they pay you to um, – they, they bought your business from you for you to continue to run it. And I don't even understand all that. But what, so what's next for Tony Carter? You know, big dreams, big goals, big vision. Uh, you know, you took a you took a local brand and you turned it into a national brand. And people like you, I know people like you can't sit still and their minds churn. What's your vision for Tony Carter and, and what you're going to do over the next 10 to 15 years? So first of all, is to continue to grow personally as a leader and as a community person. You know, I still want to continue to grow as a leader. I don't think you should ever quit that. Second, you know, my life verse is Luke twelve forty eight, which is much is given, much is required. Right. So God has entrusted us a lot. So for me, it's I'm going to be like the three that they gave the talents to. I'm not going to bury them in the sand. I'm going to invest the money and grow it so I continue to give. Uh, and I'll probably get back into business in a reoccurring revenue situation again, just like I was in in the pest control industry, right. where you get a monthly contract or an agreement to grow your your uh, customer race is definitely the way a lot of the world is going to whether it's apps you know monthly subscriptions to netflix hulu you know your verizon phone bill your workout gym membership something with reoccurring revenue and i got kids i want to coach and train up in the world of business so uh, definitely something along that line you know like i mean you and i are a lot alike and i'm in football but you're in business and I know me, like, of course, my it's it's a it's a uh, it's a good quality, and then it's a really really bad quality too. But like, your brain is just always churning; it's always thinking about something. How have you learned to kind of mit? I know I said it was going to be the last question earlier, but I had another one. Oh, that's all right. How do you learn right. to mitigate that a little bit? Like, man, turning your mind off, like, because. You know, for me, man, I could my my mind explodes, and I have all these ideas. How have you learned to kind of mitigate it and be like, all right, this is what I'm going to focus on, or is it just how we are? I think for me, because I, I do struggle with that, uh, I rise early. I'm an early person, so between 4:30 and 5, I'm up doing some type of physical exercise, whether it's just a long walk or uh, even sitting in the sauna. So I do a lot of reading in the morning, which helps my brain, you know, and that's that growing as a leader. Um, I'll probably always thrive with ideas and thoughts in my head. And when I go to a restaurant or a business, I instantly start looking to how, if I ran that company, how I could improve it. <laughs> what would I do different from what they're doing every day? Because they only know what they know and that's why they do it the way they do. But a fresh set of eyes always sees things. So for me, it's, I love the quietness of the woods and the sound of the ocean. So when I need that break to regroup and get the thoughts out of my head, for some reason, those two places allow me to get away and my mind don't work. I don't know. I think that's God's place to tell me to go and uh, recharge. But I'll always continue to do business and work and hopefully be able to help other people to get into business. Absolutely. Well, um, hey, I appreciate it. It's really good. It's really good information. Uh, that you gave me and, and give for the listener. If you don't mind, I'd like to pray for you on, uh, as we head out. Yes, sir. 
Lord, we come before you today. I just want to praise and thank you for loving us, Lord. Praise and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, praise and thank you for uh, Tony Carter and all that you've done in his life and uh, what you're doing through him and the community and the lives of other people. Uh, Lord, I just pray you continue to bless his steps, Lord, that you would continue to uh, give him a vision to serve you and to impact the community for Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, you would just continue to um, help him be successful and to make wise and and uh, smart decisions in life when it comes to investing in people and investing in the community. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate it, Tony. Amen. Thank you, brother. Good yes, to talk sir. to you. You too. Bye-bye. Amen.